0: The HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the HD Movie Podcast. I am a very croaky Darren Gaskell.
1: And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts, normal as usual, or close to.
0: (laughs) And in this week's episode, we are heading to Netflix for a very recent edition. It is 2022's Luckiest Girl Alive, starring Mila Kunis. We're over the Halloween episodes now, and we are back with reasonably normal service being resumed on the podcast. This week, we are covering the very recent Netflix edition, Luckiest Girl Alive, which is directed by Mike Barker and is written by Jessica Noll, adapted from her book.
1: Yes, and before we proceed, we need to let you know that there will be a trigger warning ahead of this episode. This is due to some sensitive content that will be discussed based on a lot of this film. So if you don't want to listen any further, that's fine. You can uh, stop here and then go back to some of our lighter episodes. But we feel this is such an important film to talk about, and especially the subject matter. So we're going to get into that.
0: We're going to be covering some fairly uncomfortable topics of conversation, but important ones. But if you feel that you may be disturbed or upset by anything that we're about to discuss, please switch off and we will see you next time. For anybody else, here comes a discussion of Luckiest Girl Alive.
1: The plot I'm going to read out to you is featured on IMDb. It's not written by any users. It's just the generic IMDb pot synopsis. Here goes. A sharp-tongued New Yorker appears to have it all. A sought-after position at a glossy magazine, a killer wardrobe, and a dream Nantucket wedding on the horizon. But when the director of a crime documentary invites her to tell her side of the shocking incident that took place when she was a teenager at the prestigious Brentley School, Arnie is forced to confront a dark truth that threatens to unravel her meticulously crafted life. And I think, yeah, that is an excellently written synopsis when it comes to describing this film.
0: It is, yes. It hints at the darkness that's in this movie, but doesn't. Really, give too much detail on it. It's a movie that does have some fairly confrontational topics in it. It's dealt with, however, in a reasonably sensitive manner, and the central performance from Milikunis is what holds it all together. It does stray into slightly melodramatic areas on occasion, but the overall message is a very important one and having not read the book i don't know how much of a faithful ad- adaptation it is to the novel but it does have the same person writing the screenplay as the book so i think that probably the the main points of what he's trying to get over are covered here with any sort of movie that is dealing with topics such as sexual assault and also in this case a school shooting. There has to be a modicum of respect and tact in how this is handled, but it also has to get the power of the point across. And I think generally this does succeed. It's a more glossy movie than you would expect for this kind of treatment, but it also deals with one woman's trauma and how she's built up almost a second personality to cover up the fact that her original personality has been worn down over the years and she's had to put up this defense mechanism almost to just cope with everyday life and the fact that she's got a on the face of it idyllic lifestyle she's got a husband-to-be who's very successful he has a rich family they've got a dream wedding coming up but as with all of these things, what's happened in her past threatens to destroy all of it. And it's a movie which goes in some interesting directions. There's a lot of flashback in this movie as well. And the actress that portrays the young Tiffany, who's uh, Kira Aurelia, is excellent as well. She does embody the same spirit of the character that the adult Milikonis is going for. It's it's a movie that I think isn't as, well, let's, let's say it isn't as quite as brutal as I thought it was going to be, which kind of, I, I mean, I'm not saying that these movies shouldn't be brutal, but it gets to a point where you are given enough visual information about what's going on It's still hard to watch in quite a lot of places, but it doesn't go to the places that I was dreading.
1: Yeah, upon the research that I have done ahead of this episode, as far as I'm aware, this film is pretty close to the source material. And as you say, it's the same writer, so there's a lot more artistic control there with how um, she wants to put this story across. And again, I agree with you about how this film on the outside has this kind of glossy aesthetic, and you'd almost be forgiven for thinking this is sort of Devil Wears Prada-type film when it begins. But I think, again, that is kind of to portray the mask that Arnie is hiding behind, that she has got this incredible life. And as soon as we get into the story... We discover more and more about her past, and obviously they use more um, grayscale to depict the past, and especially when she's experiencing the trauma with what they show us of that. So it's visually very well contrasted. I found this film deeply affecting. I think it's one that will definitely resonate with people, and it doesn't shy away from trauma and what people go through and how people have had to hide what they've been through as well and it, it's yeah I think it's, it's a hard harrowing movie to sit through and I think it's a one-time watch for sure I don't think this is a film that is easily going to be a revisit watch but that said it was very well acted I was impressed by all the performances in this obviously Mila Kunis holds it all together she's phenomenal in this and um, the last movie that we reviewed that she starred in was bad mums and this is an absolute contrast of a performance compared to that so it really does show what incredible actress she is we've got finn witch playing um her fiance luke again he's a great actor he doesn't get to do as much in this as i've seen in other roles he's been in especially in like the american horror story series but again he's a very strong actor and i think You do feel a bit of empathy for him at times, but at the same time, he can also be a bit insensitive and he doesn't truly understand how things have affected her. And I think he just expects her to move on and go with what he wants to do in life as well. So there is that kind of conflict between them that I thought was very well portrayed. Talking of American Horror Story alumni, we've also got Connie Britton in this, who's, again, fantastic. And she plays the mother character who, again, didn't handle the situation well at the time and basically made Arnie's character feel isolated and alone in what she's been through. She wasn't supported and it's just such a well-acted film in how it represents how people go through something and how they confront it later on and the people involved in that and how what they did and how they basically sabotage that person's healing as well, because there's just so much anger flowing through it.
0: Yeah, it's quite an angry movie, this, which is perfectly understandable. And what it does use quite extensively is voiceover. So you have Mila Kunis saying things to people on screen, but at the same time, there's an internal dialogue, which is saying what she really thinks about the situations that she's in. And sometimes it's quite darkly amusing and sometimes it's quite upsetting. In one of the more darkly amusing moments, she's just had enough of one of the potential guests for the wedding. And this guest is going on and on about that she doesn't want to sit on this particular table. And it's at a point where she's just received a phone call, which is has been quite upsetting for her and she just wants out of this situation, but this wedding guest is saying, I don't want to sit next to this particular couple. And that's the point in which the internal dialogue crosses over to the external dialogue, because she's thinking it, but she also says it. And she says something like, right, I'll stick you with all the other flabby cougars on table 12, and doesn't realise for a few seconds that she's actually said it out loud. And that's kind of the crossover point at which She's been bottling this up for about 50 minutes of this movie and then it's when she starts to take a bit more control and she's thinking, right, I've had enough of this shit. I'm going to take everybody on now. And it's a really empowering moment. And you wanted to take these people on because the three private school guys that have been responsible for all her subsequent trauma are just horrible people. And it's another example of privileged white guys thinking that they can get away with everything. Now, in this movie, there's a strong hint that they won't get away with it in the end, but it's a long path to that point of the plot. What is thrown into the mix is that there's a secondary character who is trying to stand up for Annie and, spoiler alert, he's pushed to the point where he and an accomplice of his actually participate in a school shooting, at which point they shoot quite a lot of the people in the building, including two of the guys that have assaulted Annie. But even that, there's no feeling of justice in that sequence because it's such a brutal bit of um, flashback that part of you feels the catharsis for the fact that a couple of these horrible guys have been shot dead because of their actions earlier in the movie. But at the same time, there's no real comfort to Annie because she's watching these people die in front of her. And even though she's getting a little bit of vicarious revenge through seeing them getting shot, it doesn't really wipe the memories away. So it's a movie that grapples with some fairly difficult subjects and deals with the fact that trauma is never something that there's an easy way out of. And it also paints a picture of that quite a lot of guys are pretty horrible when it comes down to it. There are sympathetic male characters in there. There is a teacher that tries to stand up for her who is trying to do the right thing and then gets fired because of it. But when you come down to the guy who, on the face of it, looks like the most sensitive character, which is a husband-to-be Luke, as you say, played by Finn Whitrock, in the end, he shows his true colours as well, because in the end, he thinks it's going to reflect badly on him somehow. But it's nothing to do with him in terms of trauma. He should be supporting his wife-to-be. But when he confronts the fact that she's going to take matters into her own hands and she's going to try and expose the surviving rapist, he doesn't want anything to do with it and he thinks that she should deal with it in another way and should deal with it with how he thinks it should be dealt with so that they're not dragging everybody's name through the mud. Again, it's a pivotal moment and it kind of shows where he's coming from as well. So it's a movie that doesn't show people in the best light but it's not meant to. It's a situation which is grounded in fairly terrifying and depressing reality and despite the fact that some of it doesn't quite land the heart of this movie is definitely in the right place and overall it does succeed in what it's doing. Yes I've seen a couple of reviews that say that it slightly trivialises the situation. But I don't think trivialise is the right word. I think it's trying to present something very difficult in an accessible way. And part of trying to make it accessible is to portray it in a standard dramatic way. So you've got very recognizable dramatic tropes and setups, but within that they're trying to add A very serious underlying topic. But if you were just lecturing people about this for 115 minutes, people would switch off. You have to have some sort of hook. You have to make the story at least engaging enough to stick with so that the message will actually come through at the end, which is a very difficult balancing act. So you're kind of hamstrung to start with with this because either they'll say you're being too worthy or you're being too trivial about it. I don't think this is either, really. It's tackling a worthy topic, but it's doing it in a way that you will... Well, you can't be entertained by this, I don't think, in the truest sense of the word, but you will stick with it because its message is worthwhile. The performances are really good. And even though Arnie is a fairly abrasive character you can tell where she's got all of this from. She's a fighter, and the fact that she is lashing out is nothing to do with the fact that she's just a generally nasty person. She's had to build up this defense mechanism over the years to cope with all the shit that life has thrown at her, and the fact that she's making a living for herself and she wants to have a specific type of career and she doesn't want to be reliant on anybody else is part of her character and the fact that people are getting in the way and trying to stop her from succeeding brings this fight side out of her and she will argue about all sorts of things quite rightly there's a bit where there's a song playing Luke wants it for the wedding, and um, she says something like, well, I I liked the song, but the guy who sings it is a pedophile. And they have an argument about the fact that, well, you know, they kind of separate the art from the artist thing, but it feeds in to the other bits of the story. It's like, yeah, they're saying that the three guys who assaulted her, they're not like that 100% of the time, but they're capable of it. And the fact that you're saying, well, you know, this guy did a great song, yeah, he might have done a great song, doesn't excuse the fact that he's a pedophile and you may not want to listen to that song anymore. Luke is very much of the opinion, well, you know, you can still listen to the song. Can you listen to the song? That's the argument.
1: Yeah, I definitely don't think this film trivialises the subject matter at all. I know what you mean. It's obviously presented for a mainstream audience, straight onto Netflix. It's going to be watched by everyone. It's not a niche film. It's not specifically aimed at a genre audience per se I think it got its message across really well and I think sometimes in films like this it's all about the revenge and how violence will ensure that you overcome the trauma and in this it doesn't and I think what's so powerful about it is like she accepts this happened to me I'm going to tell my story no one's gonna stop me and she has this co-worker friend who lays it out to her and says when she reads her initial draft of her piece that she's going to put in the New York Times that she said this is too tame this is not how you should write you should write as if no one's reading and I thought that was a really powerful line and then obviously that sets Arnie on the path to reveal her true feelings she's provocative she's confrontational And I think she goes about it in the right way in the end. And if anybody tries to tear her down, one of the rapists ended up in a wheelchair following the shooting, obviously a spoiler, and people see him as a very influential figure. I thought that was an interesting aspect of the story as well, because it's that whole element of you can't speak up against someone like that, because again, as you said, there's obviously the white privilege, white male privilege going on powerful guys like him get away with things and it gets to the point where you know he's begging her saying I have a wife I have daughters and you think wow this is getting into really intense territory now because it's going to get a breaking point and I, I I really thought the the confrontation between the two of them was well handled because you know it didn't go into some sort of cheap violent element or anything like that it was just her getting what she needed set her on the path of freedom and to move on. And I think she just owned what had happened to her and was a voice for other people. And I think by that point in the film, I was quite emotional. It definitely brought me to tears by the end, like after experiencing that horrible ordeal. And I like that it was a slow burner too, because it drip feeds the story bit by bit. And even though part of you is thinking, I can kind of see where this is going, but... By the end, there's a few more twists in the narrative that you might not expect coming to reach that point. And there's points in it where you think you've lost all hope as well, that she's just going to bury her head in the sand and she's just going to accept this. I mean, it could have taken a very downbeat route to a very downbeat story anyway, but it it didn't. The way it comes full circle, I think, as I say, is it is very, very well crafted. Also to note, this film was produced by Reese Witherspoon. Her company, Lionsgate and Pacific Standard, they acquired the rights to this film back in 2015. I haven't found much information on why it wasn't produced until now. Not entirely sure about that, but um, you know sometimes movies just take their time to get fully really greenlit. But I think the way this project has been adapted and presented, I mean, for me... I know, as you say, some of the reviews have been a bit hit and miss, but I I was really affected by this film, and I thought it was very well done. So I disagree with the scores, (laughs) our usual score rating. It's got 6.4 on IMDb, and then it has a 43% tomato meter and a 74% audience score. I think the 74% audience score is acceptable. I, I personally would go a bit higher, I would say probably around the 85% mark for me. It's not a perfect film by any means, you know, all films have their flaws, but I just think the way this was portrayed, and especially in the scenes, the harrowing scenes where you see the assault bit by bit, it doesn't just show it all in one go as well, you've just got it in separate segments, and again, it's like once you've recovered from one element of it, there's more to come, and it's absolutely horrific, and you really, really do feel for her. And I think it's just the little things where she notices the blood after she's been assaulted, and you see her looking in the mirror, and then when she's gone into the convenience store to get away afterwards, it's like it's all just an emotional rollercoaster.
0: Yeah, it's an intense movie, and it's intense over a quite long period of time. But I agree that the final confrontation, it's powerful without having to resort to histrionics. It's just a conversation between two people, whereas you get a lot of these um, revenge movies where it does come down to gunfire and violence at the end. This isn't. This is more verbal violence than anything else. And the fact that the guy is trying to throw other women under the bus because he's saying, well, you can't do this because I have a wife and daughters. Again, he's abusing a completely separate set of women in a different way by saying, well, you don't want to reveal this to my wife and daughters. Well, why not? You're right. He's in a wheelchair. He's an advocate for gun control. And he's a very erudite speaker. And he's got lots of fans who will follow him. And there's a book signing where most of the audience is women and they're saying he's amazing. So it does hint that at the end that Annie isn't going to win everybody over with her article. But at the same time, That's not the point. She's got the article out there and she doesn't care whether it's going to win everybody over. In fact, she runs into somebody right at the end of the movie who says something snide about her article and about the sort of hint that it's going to try and smear this congressman and she goes back and just said, oh, I don't remember who you are but you'll remember that I'm the woman who told you to fuck off on Fifth Avenue and it's a really nice way of ending the movie because it's just like, I'm through this now, I'm going forward. It's not neatly packaged up at the end, but it gives you the hope that she's going to go on and forge a path for herself and that she's at least away from enough of the past that it's not going to rule her life in the way it did before. You've got this great supporting role from Jennifer Beals who doesn't appear a lot in the movie, but she's very pivotal to how the plot goes, because she's dispensing this advice. She's the one who says that the article isn't honest enough. She just says, oh, this is an approximation of what honesty is, and that you really should write something that you need to pour it out on the page. And it's as if nobody is ever going to read it. And she's just telling her that she has to decide various things. She has to decide what she wants to do with her life. She has to decide whether she wants to publish the article. She's the... Driving force in a lot of ways, even though she doesn't appear in the movie a lot. There's lots to unpack in this movie, and it's possibly not the sort of thing you would expect to appear on Netflix, but I'm glad it's there. The certificate for this movie is an 18, as you would probably expect in the UK, but it's not as full of 18 rated content as you would think. It's not gratuitous. Having said that, it's a very adult movie, and I think that the UK Certification Board do tend to raise the ratings of anything that's got sexual violence in. It's not exploitative. It shows you enough to get across the hideousness of the situation, but it doesn't wallow in any of it either. Neither the assault scenes nor the school shooting scenes In fact, I think the school shooting scenes are horrific for the fact that you see so little of what's going on. The violence is very brief, and I think the fact that it's very short and sharp makes it all the worse. Overall, I think this is a very worthwhile movie. Yes, I can see why people say that the treatment of it is slightly more mainstream than it ought to be, But this is how you're going to get people in to watch this sort of stuff. If you're doing really high-minded and almost arty treatments of this sort of subjects, people are going to switch off. You need to hit them with something. And you need to hit them with something while they're watching something familiar. So this is how this movie is doing this. And I think there's nothing wrong with that approach at all. Coupled with that, you've got a career-best performance from Mila Kunis she's great in pretty much everything but she's on a completely different level in this movie
1: yeah she does exceptionally well in this and it's quite a different role from what you'd expect from her like as i compared with you know bad moms which is just like a crazy comedy and it's quite outlandish but this is a very very strong performance from her i was really impressed and when I knew she was the lead in it, I was bracing myself for a very different performance of it, and she absolutely delivered. I think by the end, this film is very empowering, and as you say, the fact that this is accessible on Netflix for everybody to watch, I think that with this sort of subject matter, it's important that people feel that they have an outlet if they've been through something that's been depicted in this film, and... If it helps someone in some way, then it's, it's completely done its job. As you say, like the violence in it, the school shooting scene is absolutely harrowing. That is one of my biggest fears, the thought of that happening. It's absolutely terrifying. And I think they portrayed it in- incredibly sensitively and, and well. It showed you enough, as you said, and it didn't have to be gratuitous. It was uncomfortable viewing, for sure. I think this was an outstanding piece of film and I'm glad I watched it I think normally I would probably shy away from something as difficult as this because it's one of those that you have to really be in the mood for so I think sometimes pushing us out of our comfort zone on the podcast is a good idea just so that we can see things that might be a little bit as I say out of our comfort zone but would recommend watching this film as i say it's probably a one-time watch but it is a strong film an important film and as i say i'm really glad that i watched it and i think it's one that will stay with me film i felt it was most similar to from what i've seen was mfa a film that was screened at celluloid screams a few years ago again it affected me in a very similar way to that and again that for me was a one-time watch but i remember thinking it was incredible in how it portrayed the subject matter and going back to what i said about you know the rights had already been purchased for this film and i think it's good that it has come out post me too movement because i don't know how it would have done if it had come out in 2015 i think the fact that it has come out now where people are in a position where they are more open and want to expose these kinds of horrific people and horrific crimes. So I I think, going back to what I said, I think it is like a positive thing that it has come out in 2022 because we've had a bit of a distance from the Me Too movement as such. But as I say, people feel more open to be able to talk about what's happened to them.
0: It's a difficult subject, but movies should tackle difficult subjects. And I think with the podcast as well, most of the time we're looking for movies that are silly or entertaining or just plain out there, but you do have to get back to reality at some point and I'm glad we've covered this one because it does shine a light on the fact that human beings can just do some pretty awful things. and. After they've done some pretty awful things, they can spend most of their lives trying to cover it up or demean the victim of these pretty awful things. And yes, you know, things in the real world don't often work out as they do in this movie. But to put this message out there will hopefully go some way to making people more aware of what's going on, and to encourage people to speak up more about this. We have had a bit of a shift since the Me Too movement came into focus, and that's a good thing, but as you say, it's been a while since that was on the minds of everybody, and it's important that that message isn't diluted or forgotten altogether, because these predators, they don't just disappear overnight. Just because one of them's been exposed, there's thousands more of them out there. And the fact that you've got people like Weinstein in jail, yeah, that's great. But there's going to be other Weinsteins out there that need to be exposed. And we need to keep talking about this thing. And I don't want to come over all too heavy on the podcast, but it's an important subject. And we need to keep the message going. And everybody needs to be an advocate for it. And this whole kind of not all men thing. Yeah, we're going back to this. We have said this many times on this podcast about not all men. We're not saying it's all men. But the fact of the matter is, instead of wasting your breath saying, oh, that's not me. I don't behave like that as a man. That's not what I am. Instead of whinging about it, why don't you channel your energies into being an advocate for the people that are the victims of this stuff instead of making it about you?
1: Absolutely. And that's so important that victims need to be heard and people need to respect what they're saying and what they've been through and not dismiss that. I think that's really important. We have to take these things incredibly seriously. I do wish we could chat longer.
0: And that's it for episode 84 of the HD Movie Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on this it was a slightly heavier topic than we're used to but we thought it was a worthwhile movie to discuss and we were glad that we were able to view luckiest girl alive as always thank you for listening
1: and if you enjoy our content you can check us out on social media to find all our episodes we're on facebook twitter and instagram at hdmovie podcast
0: so we're going to take a very short break we're back in two weeks and it's Christmas time, so it's Merry Podmas again. And for the first of our Merry Podmas selections, we're going to be delving into the realm of musical horror comedy with Anna and the Apocalypse.
1: I'm very excited to revisit this movie. I've seen it a couple of times already. It has an incredible soundtrack. It's such a well-crafted or musical with a Christmas theme as well. We first saw this as the closing movie in Abattoir 2018, I believe. Yep. Yeah, 2018, and it was such a crowd-pleaser to finish on. So join us as we go back and revisit one of our favourite festival films.
0: Until then, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Haley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, FM, Listen Notes, and Podbeat.